Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. You've got the same three people you usually have. You've got myself, Todd Buckingham, and I can be found on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod. I'm Zach Dosh. Find me at Zachary Dosh. I'm Greg Steeman, and you can find me at Greg Steeman. And, and Todd, I, I don't blame you. I'd be bored with us, too. But, hey, we, we still love talking about this stuff. So let's let's give it another run, huh? <laughs> yeah, no points for creativity here. Hopefully it's uh, maybe a little bit more about content and discussion than creativity here. And entertainment factor, I suppose. But We, we reached out, and, and no one took us up on the offer. So <laughs> this yeah. is what you got. The uh, so I wanted to start out uh, the big big thing this week is we're gonna t- have an interview with Coach Eric Henderson with South Dakota State, uh, and we'll do that in the middle of the episode. But I want before we did that, the Summit released their first and second team preseason awards, and I want to go through those teams a little bit and just get your guys' thoughts on on the teams, anybody you would add or anything you would change. So the first team was Max Aismas Player of the Year. And then Baylor Shireman, Douglas Wilson from South Dakota State, Sam Griesel from North Dakota State, and Josiah Alec from Kansas City. What are your guys' thoughts on those six players? Are those the six you would put in? Would you add anybody different? You know, Todd, I think before we jump into that, like, well, let me ask you this. What's your criteria? Like, so, okay, we, we give Todd Buckingham a, a vote here. What's your criteria for putting somebody on the first or second team? How do you approach that? I think there's a lot of different definitions for that, and I think it's kind of important to sort of define why we're picking what we're picking. And there's no wrong answer. It's, you know, it's subjective. So for, for me personally, I, I, it's a league award. So, of course, statistics matter. Winning matters. But also, and I'll compare it to the, to the fan vote that we had on the website. We had three South Dakota State players on the first team. Mm-hmm. When I'm voting, uh, no more than two from the same team. I, mm-hmm. I think it should be representative of the league itself. And winning matters. So if I've got two players that are close in statistical uh, numbers, mm-hmm. I, I would put the te- the player on the team that that wins more often. Mm-hmm. Th- those are kind of the ways I look at it. Yeah, Greg, how how would you frame it, Greg? It's uh, a good question, Zach. I, you know, when I look at it, I I never look at a first or second team is saying, hey, we have to fill certain positions. I simply look at who I think are the most impactful players in the league. And Aismas, I think, was a was a, a clear winner as far as player of the year when you look back at his run in the NCAA tournament and, and what he's done in the league during his time. Very deserving player of the year. I think it comes down to just looking at different players and, and uh, what you think they're capable of. And so it's so funny because Todd, you mentioned statistics, and some teams play in a manner where they aren't going to put up huge numbers. True. And, and at the same time, the, the, there are certain players that are so valuable to their team's success. I, you know, I, I can't argue with it with the top group. The two wild cards, in my opinion, are, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, South Coast State and, and, and the return of, of, of their player and, and, and Friedel. If he is back to what he was, he's a top three player in the league. And uh, and I think a lot of people probably looked at that. And, and I will say myself included going, I wonder what he's going to come back like. And the other one I look at is Rocky Cruiser at North Dakota State where I'm going, this this kid. I, I had a conversation the other day with somebody who said, well, what if Rocky would have gone to the transfer portal 
Can you guys imagine who would have gone after Rocky if he would have gone to the transfer portal? I mean, we everyone would be talking. Absolutely everyone. Absolutely. Kansas for uh, one after he tore him apart last yeah. year. Yeah. 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 Like literally everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been the team at the highest level. And and who could have blamed him? Because he's already put in four years in North Dakota State. But yeah. I think, and I literally had a conversation, actually it was with Jeff Kolpak the other day, where, where he goes, you know, why does Rocky stay? I go, actually it speaks really well to Dave Richmond's culture at North Dakota State. This kid could have said, and nobody would have, nobody would have begrudged him in any way to say you've put your four years in at North Dakota State why not go in and see what's out there for you? But he came back. And so I think that speaks volumes about what Dave has developed in North Dakota State. So can't argue with the top group at all. And and I just think there's going to be, and, and we all know that's what it is. It's projection. It's people like Todd, you, and, and Zach, and, and myself saying, here's what we think, along with a bunch of other media people. And so there's no argument. Um, I, I, I'm just excited that we're talking about it, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it all play out. Hey, hey, Greg, to your point, I think, you know, good basketball players and I think players that really understand and people that really understand college basketball know this, it does not really matter where you play. Right. Like what matters the most is finding a special group together and holding on to that and going mm-hmm. for a magical ride, right? Completely it, agree. Yeah, no, I mean – it. Yeah, schools produce good basketball players, but really it's more about those players making a, a personal decision. For example, so they had um, not to derail the conversation here too much, but you want to talk about the top ten players in the in the NBA where they went to school: Steph Curry, Davison, James Harden, Arizona State, John Wall, Kentucky, Russell Westbrook, UCLA, Kevin Durant, Texas, LeBron James High School, Giannis Antetokounmpo, overseas, Damian Lillard. Weaver State, Paul George, Fresno State, Clay Thompson, Washington State. So not probably the typical people on there, but mm-hmm. uh, it just goes to show you whether it's NDSU or it's Duke. I mean, there's nobody there's no Duke on that. You know, mm-hmm. you can accomplish all your dreams in the Summit League. And I think a lot of people are realizing that more than ever. Oral Roberts helped illustrate that, too. But to get back to the matter at hand and, and to not further derail the conversation, you know, to me, this is all about who impacts winning the most. And there's a lot of ways to sort of, you can kind of quantify that, but like, that's my thing here. I'm, I can kind of, I, I seem to always kind of be a little bit of contrarian when it comes to this, when it comes to like the defensive player of the year, um, you know, or, or these lists, because I like, to me, I don't put it together. Like it, like it's a starting five. Like I'm okay. Like if, if we have five point guards, Mm-hmm. That are the five best players in the league. I'm fine having five point guards on the first team all summit league team. Um, I don't know if it's kind of like an unwritten rule to always have like forwards and guards and centers and whatnot, but um, so I have I have no problem with that. And so looking at the list here, you know the hard part is it you know if you add somebody you have to take somebody off, mm-hmm. and I don't know how you do that. And so and they actually have six players on the first team all league, and and I don't know you know, how that works or what the, what the rules are here, I guess, five plus the, the preseason player of the year, I suppose. Um, but a couple of guys that I think are, are going to be part of this conversation by the end of the year. If I had to, if I had to predict is uh, Deshane Weaver and Grant Nelson. Um, mm-hmm. Deshane Weaver is going to be in an amazing spot. You know, he, 
didn't have a great role last year, partly because, you know, so he was, he was a little bit more on the wing. He obviously operated well on the block on down the stretch. And he really sort of broke out in the NCAA tournament, basically taking Kevin O'Banner's role as he was in foul trouble. So I see him playing that pick and pop role. Obviously, Max Asmus is going to get a ton of attention. He can shoot it. He can also finish on the block. He can guard a little bit on the block. I think DeShane Weaver's in line for a lot of volume, and he's going to get a lot of good looks, and, and we know that he can make good on it. And he's been healthy. That's the biggest thing for him. He's been healthy. So I think DeShane Weaver is going to find his way onto one of these teams. And, and also Grant Nelson, like, look, Grant Nelson may have – he may not have the best statistical line at the end of the year. Some of these other guys may have some prettier lines. But I think we're going to – if we pulled all the coaches at the end of the year, what's one guy that they want on their team? Um Maybe outside of Max Asmus, it would not surprise me if Grant Nelson works his way into that territory. Partly because, you know, if, you have, if you're playing next to Rocky Cruiser, you know, he's going to get a lot of attention. And he can just affect the game in so many ways, offensively, defensively, inside, outside. I mean, I just, I think Grant Nelson is going to be hard to keep off of one of these lists, quite honestly. And, uh, and then also you look at a guy like Ben Tupanoam, you know, he's a guy, he's going to average, he's going to be one of those guys with a pretty stat line. I think he's going to be up in that. 15 to 17 points per game and probably, you know, five to seven assists. You know, you look at that, you look at the other guys on the list, that would be much better than those. And how do you factor in winning, right? I always put a premium on it. It looks like the, this, these uh, lists do as well. You know, we have one guy from the bottom six teams in the conference mm-hmm. and probably rightfully so. And, Part of the reason these teams are in the bottom half of the conference is because they have a majority of new players. So it's hard to put a player that you've never seen play on this list. But, um, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see how this actually plays out. You know, there's going to be some guys on Omaha, on UND, on Denver that are going to average 15 to 18 points per game, you know. Does that sneak them onto an all-league team if, if they win a, a handful to, to 10 conference games? We'll see. Um, so a lot of different ways of looking at it. I um, So I, I don't know. I mean, what about you guys? What are some other guys that you guys could see sneaking on this list? Well, I'll just jump in quick, Todd. I will echo what Zach addressed. I think the Shane Weaver, I thought, showed out in the NCAA tournament. His health has always been his biggest hurdle. I hope he's healthy because I think the the opening left by the departure of of O'Banner is going to really leave some opportunities for for Weaver to be an impactful player for ORU. And I think the silly thing, Grant Nelson, I am guessing that the limit was any coach could only nominate three players. And of course, if you're Dave <laughs> Richmond, you're going to nominate Rocky, Tyree, and and Sam. Uh, Grant Nelson is a freak. Kid's 6'11 right now. The kid can play the three. Yeah. Uh, uh, you look at, I, I had a chance to get out and watch Dave's group the other night a little bit. And, and you know, they're going to go on, on a road trip and play at UNLV one night and Arizona the next night. They're going to look like UNLV. They're going to look like Arizona, um, which is uncommon for Summit League teams. So, no, complete agreement. Grant Nelson is is a unique player in this league. Uh, His development has been a lot of fun to watch. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But those two players uh, couldn't agree with you more. I I think they certainly deserve some of that 
they, they warrant that that consideration for the top spots in the league. Well, and I just want to go off of what Zach said as well. Last year, no one was mentioning Baylor Shireman in these types of conversations. Uh, jumped from six points a game to 16, four rebounds to nine, something like that, two assists to five. And Grant Nelson feels like that kind of player. And it's always tricky because that there's only so many minutes and so many points to go around. Mm-hmm. So then it, it go, you know, who kind of takes a different role if it's some of those more venture, veteran players, because obviously the three that were nominated are great players. And so that might be is the sticky part for me to look at him on where does exactly does the huge jump come from? But there's going to be somebody that is nowhere near either of these two lists that that jumps way up. And it's sometimes a new player, but a lot of times it's just a person with a new opportunity. And that's why Weaver is such an interesting uh prospect in that way as far as the first or second team and greg you talked about his health i remember texting with you guys early to mid last season saying it just doesn't look like the same to shane weaver and then by the end of the year it was like oh there there he is again yeah like so something seemed to be lingering in the in the injury front with him that seemed to be going away at the end of the year i agree with you and and one of the things that i would bring up you mentioned baylor shireman if, if somebody said, who's going to be player of the year in the league, Max Acemas, and then who's the next closest? Yeah. Shireman's got to be right there. Yeah. I mean, what that kid has grown into for this South Dakota State team, his skill level, his ability to shoot it, and then do all of the intangible things. I'm telling you what, he's, put it this way, he's a Galdarn close second, if yeah. not uh, a favorite for the player of the year. In fact, if the question was just who's going to make the biggest impact at the next level, it'd be him. Yeah, yeah, the kid can play. I mean, it's interesting. You can see how much this conference respects those players on South Dakota State and North Dakota State. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Sam Griesel averaging 11 points per game, you know, Tyree averaging 11 points per game. If you don't really watch these teams closely, you can kind of look at that and be like, really? But then yeah. you watch them and you're like, no, these guys – could play for everybody everybody wants these guys on their team i mean to have three north dakota state three south dakota state like I, it's it's very fitting you can't take them off you can't take them off and and that just kind of shows you where the league is right now too all right i want to go quick through the second team and then we'll jump to the interview with 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 coach henderson second team was will carius from western illinois noel friedel south dakota state xavier fuller from south dakota Tyree Eady, North Dakota State, and Tassos Camateros from South Dakota. Anything to add on those five players? We we already talked about some other players that maybe would jump in. Um, Camateros is maybe the biggest, um, not I don't think surprise is the right word, but the the biggest projection from his numbers the year before on that list. Yeah, so much of this is just known entities versus non-known entities, and and everybody knows Tassos. Everybody can see how he can play well. I think everybody's expecting a big bump without Stanley Amude there. I mean, we did see some time where when Stanley wasn't on the floor, they did work through Tassos and, and, you know, he can make good decisions and he can score on the block. And so I think people see what, what's going on there. Um, and, and so I think that that's kind of a lot of what we went into this preseason all summer league team, second team here. Um, Noah Friedel, my prediction is he's either going to be on the first team or not on any of these because he's, he didn't get on track. But if he's, 
you know, in the lineup and locked in, I think he's probably their first team or, or nothing at all. Um, and then Will Carius is another guy that he could he could have a really big year. Um, it took a little bit for him to adjust last year, but it would not surprise me. I mean, he averaged 14 points per game last year. Would it surprise anybody if he averaged 18 or 19? No. You know, I mean, and then how does that look? I mean, does that sneak onto the first team? I mean, can we just make that first team all conference like 10, 10 players? Because it may it may need to be. Um, and then Tyree Eady, you know, again, his his value is going to go far beyond the box score. I mean, you see something go sideways on the floor for NDSU. Who corrects it? It's Tyree Eady. And yeah. so how do you quantify that? I mean, I think the, the guys that really watch the games understand his value. So, you know, really tough. I mean, I, I, I say to settle it, let's just uh, let's divide up these teams and let's play it out. Let's get them together during the summer and find out who's better, the first team or the second team. I don't know. Second team may beat the first team. Right. Yeah, good observations. I, you know, the funny thing about Carrius, I, I put Carrius on my first team. I, I, I think he's that talented. I mean, the kid can flat out stroke it. He's got length. He, I think he's really a, a player that fits in to Coach Jeter's system. And I'll go back to your point about, about Friedel. I think that was everybody's wondering, where is he at? And I love the fact that if he's involved at all in the conversation, it means that Coach Eric Henderson, who we're going to hear from in a few minutes, um, believes he's not risking anything for this young man. Uh, he is he's, He wants what's best for this young man. Basketball is part of his life. It can't be all of it. And uh, I, I have a feeling that, that Eric Henderson and, and, and Noel Friedel have probably had numerous conversations. And if Coach Henderson believes he's where he's at, it's going to be hard, really difficult to keep him off of the first team all league because he's just that good. He impacts the game in so many ways. And you know, when you come to South Dakota State, those are the two biggest question marks: David or uh, Wilson's health and Friedel, Friedel's health. And if those two are healthy in 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 the proper ways, I'll tell you what: they're going to be a formidable um, opponent in in summer league play and. And Dave Richmond kind of has a wealth of riches just with his his depth that he's he's recruited and what he has. So uh, great points on all of those things. Yeah, I, I really like the fact back to the that it's not all about statistics that Tyree Eady that the voters recognize. You know, he's not necessarily the highest score, the highest assist guy, the highest rebound guy, but he just every time they need a big shot, he's the guy or a big play. He's the guy that comes in and, and does that. And so it was good to see the voters as a whole. And just one other thing I should mention, uh, St. Thomas was not did not uh, put any players forward for the voting. Um, so being their first year in the summit. So just if anybody was wondering what about any St. Thomas players, they thought maybe some St. Thomas players were deserving. I have no idea what they're going to do with the postseason awards, but on the preseason awards, uh, St. Thomas did not put any players forward. Yeah, one last thing about North Rydell as we go into this interview here is, you know, a lot of times we, we see guys, and, and Greg, you know it better than all of us at, coming from your perspective, but, you know, college isn't a straight line for pretty much any player, even if it, it sort of looks like that on the course, or on the court. And, um, and he's an example of that. And I think sometimes when people go through things and they learn about themselves and they're able to make it out on the other side, they kind of come out with this, like, inner peace and they sort of relax and they're able to keep in the proper perspective. And we saw, 
nor Friedel, even with the things he may have been dealing with, 20, 25 points was nothing to him. You know, like he'd almost do that in a half. We, we could see him absolutely explode here. And now that he's, you know, if everything's in line here. So I really think he's headed towards the first team. I'd be surprised if it's, if it's not, but um, you know, it's, I, I, and I think part of the confidence that I have in, in him is the confidence that I have in Coach Henderson. And that's why it was such a great interview. And, and I'm sorry, I don't want to delay this much more, but you bring up such a great point. Um, it's a flipping basketball game. Mm-hmm. That's really at the end of the day what it is. And and, and this is what I, I've told my daughter uh, this many times. Um, play like you're loved. Uh, play like what, you know, basketball is just something you're doing. Who you are is all those people that care about you and how you impact them. And that's my thought. And, and, I, and I, don't, I, I don't doubt for a minute, as you mentioned, I'm going to echo your sentiments about Coach Henderson, Zach. He's playing for the right guy. Go out there and, and play like basketball is not the most important thing. Go out there and let your talent and your ability and your teammates elevate you to the level that you're capable of achieving. But at the end of the day, just go play like you're loved and you're cared for. And, and I think that's going to be – I'm looking forward to watching him play in that environment. I hope he can embrace that environment, and, uh, and, and the league will be better for it. I think that's a perfect segue to our interview with Coach Henderson. Uh, so we'll bring you to that, and then we'll bring you back to the three of us to wrap up for a few minutes and end this week's episode. So without further ado, the interview with Coach Eric Henderson. Well, hi, everybody. We have a special guest with us today on the podcast. Joining us, South Dakota State Head Coach Eric Henderson. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for having me, fellas. Always fun to talk hoops and, and uh, certainly Summit League hoops. Absolutely. Well, Coach, you know, we're, we're going around. We're doing a lot of these interviews. We're trying to get a feel for the coaches and where they're at, where their teams are at. You know, with the, with the other coaches and the other teams, a lot of it is, you know, trying to put faces to names and figure out who's on the team and who's came and went and all that. Um, with your team, very simple, right? That's a short conversation. Basically, <laughs> everybody from last year. So talk to us a little bit about this offseason and how the development's going and if there's any new takeaways about your squad. Yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces here in Jackrabbit land, that's for sure. And, and we're certainly excited about that. We, um, you know, we, we, we had a lot of fun last year together. And, and um, you know, one of, one of our best qualities I felt last year was how we played together. And so when you can get a group that plays together all back, you're certainly excited as a coach, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, the, some of the exciting things that, you know, this summer, you know, we were able to do a lot of skill development. We, we, we spent a lot of time just trying to continue to develop our skills and, and try, to, try to gain even more confidence within ourselves and then trying to bring it together this fall, um, you know, with more team workouts. And then certainly, you know, last Tuesday was the start of our full-time practices. And so that's just been, continued to been a big emphasis is, is playing together. Um, as far as, you know, some of the individuals, you know, it's certainly probably the most exciting thing for me is to see a healthy Doug Wilson. Um, you know, Doug last year, you know, never really was comfortable, um, always was maybe kind of thinking about that foot from the previous year. And um, even, you know, right from the start of summer, 
Doug has been moving very, very well and, and uh, playing with confidence and certainly been, you know, our leader on the floor and, and off it for that matter um, with the passion that he plays with, the energy that he plays with and the unselfishness that he plays with is contagious. And um, so it's certainly been fun to see Doug back and healthy and, and then, you know, to the older, other older guys with Alex Arians and Matt Dentlinger, they're in their fifth year, but both plan on coming back another year. So with that COVID situation and, you know, both those guys have, have you know, this will be their fourth year, really, at least starting part of the year. And so to be able to have that experience back is certainly exciting. Um, it's It's been a unique year. You know, we've We've done a lot of skill development, but we've also played a lot of five on five just because um, our, our guys understand what we're trying to get accomplished. Now we just have to do it more consistently. Well, certainly interesting. I mean, the thought that you guys may be even more skilled next year is pretty shocking. I mean, just because I think you guys are one of the most skilled and well-rounded teams in the conference. I feel like, you know, everybody's very versatile. The thought that uh, Douglas Wilson is back healthy. I mean, people kind of forget that he was a conference player of the year, right? And he's there again. Like you're talking about looking at the the some of these guys, Noah Friedel, uh, Luke Apple, Dave Winget, and Bayless Sharman. All these guys have played so much basketball yet. And, you know, some of these guys are still sophomores technically. You know, there's something to your guys' program that wants people to keep coming back and keep buying in. Is there something that you do in terms of team building or or is that part of the recruitment process when you look for certain guys? How do you find that group that wants to stay together and really enjoy time together? Well, I think it's a combination of all of that. I, obviously, throughout the recruiting process, you know, you try to build relationships with these young people and their families and trying to find out what they're all about and, and um, what their character traits are, what their value system is. And, and um, you, you know, the thing that we found is, is that unselfishness piece is so important. And um, when, when you care more about your teammates' success than when you care about your own, that's that's really where it starts with. Now we do do a lot of team building stuff too, and you know that during the summer, that's probably one of our main goals is just to develop relationships within our teams on the court. Certainly, certainly on the court where you're facing some tough times and facing adversity, but maybe more importantly, off the court and um, you know spending time together, whether it's you know golfing, whether it's paintballing, whether it's bowling whatever it is, we just try to find different activities for our guys to spend time with each other and just develop those relationships. And then at the end of the day, it comes down to the experience that they have. And um, are, are they enjoying their, their experience here at South Dakota State? And, and um, you know, we, we pride ourselves in, you know, every question that we, ask, you know, every staff meeting, we ask the question, how does this, you, you know, help the experience for our guys? And we want to make sure they're enjoying their experience. We want to make sure they're, they're working their tail off because we know that that when you're winning and when you're having success, that also plays a part in continuity and, and people coming back and wanting to come back. And and uh, we also get to play in front of people that uh, really, really care about us. And that's also really, really important. Coach, so, uh, how excited are you to turn the page on last year? Like, I know that can go in a lot of different directions and it can mean a lot of different things. But how excited are you just for just to have a normal season? Well, certainly excited <laughs> because yeah. it was different last year. And it was whether it was whether you're a basketball coach, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a businessman, it was different for everybody. So we're not making excuses for ourselves or anything like that. But uh, we're certainly 
you, you know, certainly excited to be able to play in front of full crowds and, and um, you know, you, you know, loud crowds and, and, um, you know, just have a little bit of normalcy to our lives and, and um, see each other's faces on a more consistent basis and have team meals together and sit in our locker room and, and, um, you know, have a film session and then joke around for a little bit. You know, you, you have to have some fun while you're doing this because it's a long season. And so, uh, you know, having what somewhat of a normal season will, will certainly be refreshing, but they're all different. I'll be honest with you, even though we have pretty much all of our dudes back and, and a lot of new guys, every year is a new year for everybody. And so it's important that we understand that and, and success isn't just going to follow us because we have everybody back. You have to continue to work. You still have to continue to be selfless and, and just keep grinding it out and don't don't uh, think you're, you're, you're just going to get things to happen and things go your way. You have to earn that. Coach, I wanted to talk Summit League in general real quick. Um, in my opinion, just looking at this year, you've got Oral Roberts returning after a Sweet 16 run, almost lead eight. Um, North Dakota State in the same boat as you guys, bringing back basically everyone. Western Illinois in the second year with Coach Jeter after go going from the bottom to the middle and, and bringing in a few faces there too. It, this really looks like one of the strongest summit leagues I can remember, especially at the very top. Is that, do you guys think there'll be a little bit of a grind for you guys? I mean, there is every year, but do you think it will be especially true this year? Oh, oh I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty well aware how strong our league is going to be this year. And, and I know, I know, uh, obviously, Oral Roberts, us, and NDSU probably have the most returning, and there's a lot of maybe new faces at, at some other places. I have a lot of respect for the coaches in this league and how they do things. And, and um, so this, this getting back to a more normal schedule as well, I think makes it even more challenging. Um, you, you know, it's never easy to go on the road and win. And, and so to be able to do that, you know, at every single place is not going to be easy, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that as far as the league goes and the depth of our league, I know everybody kind of talks about us three teams that have everybody coming back, but, but I'm telling you, you, you know, whether it's Western Illinois, like you said, who has, you know, a lot of guys coming back, but some transfers that they, they, I know they feel like are going to make a major impact. Same deal at Kansas city and how physical and hard they play. Todd does a tremendous job at South Dakota. Same, same for, you know, Paul up at North Dakota. They're not going to be easy to play, even though there's, there's a new faces at a lot of those schools that they're going to do things the right way. They're going to have their guys competing and, and um, everybody wants to win. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to win. Coach, let's continue that thought into the schedule. A um, couple things. Uh, how are you guys approaching or how much are you going to enjoy some rhythm to your schedule rather than just sort of these chaotic games? You know, the fact that, you know, it's Thursday, Saturday, how much is that going to help you guys? What's your guys' approach to that? Any other thoughts on that? Well, I, I think when you're dealing with young people, Zach, I think routine is important. And uh, if you can get into a routine and you can get into a rhythm and you're not surprising them, you know, you can, hey, we can have Sundays and off and, and Mondays are kind of maybe a light day and then we can grind. If they know what's coming and you're not surprising them, I think, you, you know, I think you can get a little bit more out of them. And, and um, so that routine is going to be important and, and uh, you know, hopefully, we're able to capitalize on that. And, and, you know, it's, 
the, the nice thing is the equity, I think, is maybe a little bit more when you look across the board, everybody's in the same boat. And, you know, and that's all you can really ask for as a coach. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you guys just released your non-conference schedule, just pulled it up. Looks interesting. A lot of some big names on there. Definitely some tests, a wide range of opportunities for you guys. Um, I've been learning more as we've been interviewing coaches, just all that goes into the schedule. And I think this is lost on the average fan, just how much thought and effort goes into putting together that schedule. Can you talk about your approach to your non-conference schedule? (laughs) It's challenging. I'll just be honest with you from the very start. It's, it's really, really hard um, to schedule here at South Dakota state. And I know it is for a lot of other places too. So I don't feel sorry for myself or anything like that, but our, our approach is this number one, we want to try to get home games, certainly good games for our fans. And, 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 um, we will try to bring in some high quality opponents and to have Bradley here to start the year, a Missouri Valley school at our place is, is, is pretty impressive. And, and, um, so we're, we feel very fortunate about that. And, um, but 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 we, we also want to challenge ourselves, you know, and we want to make sure we're putting our guys into some environments that are very, very tough. And there's certainly no shortage of that this year, to be quite frank. It's probably one of the hardest schedules we've we've had. And and, um, you, you know, we, we've had some success here of, of going on the road and beating some of these maybe by game situations. And so those get more and more difficult as well, because. Teams are looking to maybe buy somebody that they feel, and not saying it is or it isn't, but maybe maybe a little bit more of an easy win or so. And and um, we've been very competitive in those situations. So we, so even to be able to find those games where you get paid and go on the road and is is very hard and, and and very challenging. But you know some teams like that challenge because you know our RPI has been very very high, and so it may help them as far as seating goes if they do beat us. And and so. That, but as far as thought process that goes into it, 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 at the end of the day, it's, you know, try to, try, you know, we have to have, be cognizant of the budget. We want to challenge ourselves and we want to get, you know, high quality games at home when we can. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I mean, you may not come out and say it, but I'll, I'll say it for you. You know, being in your guys' situation is kind of precarious because, like you said, um, everybody likes scheduling people. They do not want to, I mean, even if, I mean, I think people that know basketball understand how good you guys are, right? But the fact that it's not a power five school, you know, can kind of put a bad taste in the mouth if you go, if you go in there and beat them. And so you have to kind of walk this fine line of like, all right, you're not going to get as many probably winnable games on your guys' end as, okay, you have to go schedule Alabama, right? I mean, follow recruiting rankings, things like that. They're going to have some talent. Washington, we know what that area is like, you know, so you got uh, a lot of great opportunities here, but Washington in Sioux Falls, I guess, huh? Yeah, you know this. You know that situation with the crossover classic has been terrific for us. You know, to, to and last year, you know, we were in it as well. Um, now it wasn't quite as advantageous because we didn't have our fans there, but uh, but it was still, you know, it was still fun. You know, I, you know, we battled against West Virginia in the first game of the season, and then uh, you know, obviously got Utah State pretty good, and and then didn't I didn't feel like we competed on the third night very well against St. Mary's. But to be able to have that opportunity again against high quality opponents with our fans in the stands, yeah. it's really, really hard to pass those situations up. And, and uh, obviously those people at the Pentagon do a terrific job of, 
of putting on tournaments and, and they make you feel like you're, you know, on top of the world. And, and so uh, they're great opportunities for us. Now, now I also realize they're great challenges for us too, but our guys love those, you know, put our, our guys love to be put in those situations and to play some of the, you know, the power five schools. And, and uh, I know we're going to compete. I'm not worried about that. You know, we just have to have, have things go our way a little bit. And then if they do, you know, let's see where, see what happens. Coach, what do you think about those NTEs? I thought everybody was going to love them because they'd be more efficient, more budget conscious. You get good games, things like that. Uh, but there's some coaches that kind of have some mixed feelings on them. You know, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on them? Well, for me, I love them because uh, when we when we can go to a place and play multiple games, we have a hard time scheduling. You know, we have a hard time getting to you know the 31 games where which we're allowed, and and so when we can get three games knocked off at the same time, normally on neutral courts, you know, I feel pretty good about it at the end of the day, and and um, you know when you can do it in in. in 40 miles down the road, it feels real good to be frank with you because it saves on budget. It, it gives our guys a great opportunity and it gets three games knocked out where, you know, we feel like we can be competitive. in. so um, I, I really, really enjoy them. And our guys just love those opportunities. And then, you know, there's also where, where you know, you're able to go to some pretty cool places and, and our guys deserve that. They deserve that opportunity to, to, you know, experience places maybe they wouldn't if they weren't part of our program. And coach, tell me if I'm wrong, but I always feel like playing three hard games in three days is fantastic simulation for the conference tournament. And that's what this is all about, right? I mean, this is all about making the NCAA tournament and getting ourselves as ready as possible for that NCAA tournament, right? You hit the nail on the head, you know, Zach. It's That, that is what it's about. <laughs> and uh, So if we're able to, you, you know – simulate that in a in a way why why wouldn't we and so that's yeah we we're gonna I, I can tell you this we're gonna continue to do it every year to to try to you know give our guys the best chance you know and like you said have that feeling what's it like to play three games in a, a, a you know three games in three days if that's what it's going to be on the conference tournament you know so heck if we can help prepare our guys better for that that's that's what our ultimate goal is anyway that's great to hear because i know we like watching it's certainly efficient <laughs> for us so we'll be definitely tuning in Every time we bring up scheduling and we just say, oh, they should just do this. And then, of course, every coach you talk to is like, well, it isn't yeah. that simple. Um, <laughs> but, just call each other and say, hey, let's yeah. meet Omaha. What, what's the big deal? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whenever we start a podcast, what we solved it. Just don't listen after that. It's, it's not, <laughs> I'll start taking notes, fellas. It's fine. <laughs> no, no problems. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's interesting on the MTs and, and things like that, that people do have different thoughts on who to schedule and how to schedule. And even uh, one of the things Zach and I and Greg, either on the podcast or sometimes for the hour after we're done recording, have talked about is there so many teams in the same spot that you guys are in, whether it be right state, if you're thinking like a horizon type type team or just and it's too bad things like the horizon summit challenge that kind of fell through that those types. I mean, the, the, I, I personally feel like those not consistently more than one bid leagues are going to have to almost work together to, to make this help make the scheduling help themselves. Cause it just, like you said, you get too good and then no one wants to, to schedule you. Yeah. That horizon, you know, that was the, that was disappointing when that was canceled, that horizon and summit league challenge, because I, I, I agree with you. And it, it's, they, they, they have a hard time too, like you said, and to be able to, you know, have those on the schedule and not have to worry about them. And, and it allows you to get some quality wins, you know, quality wins necessarily, but some quality opponents at your place. That's a good thing. You know, that's a, that's a 
that's a fun environment for your fans and they, they deserve that too. And we have something with the big sky, you know, four of us schools from the summit and four from the big sky have a deal every year where, you know, it rotates, you know, where we're able to get one road and one home. And, and that's important. I mean, that's two games every year that are solid, that are solid every year going into it. So yeah, I, I'd sign up for as many of those as we could. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that the logical extension of this is all right. So what does the scenario look like where the Summit League gets two bids like they have on the women's side? How can we get to two bids on the men's side? We, we bat around that idea all the time. We're constantly looking at net rankings and the conferences that do get two, maybe three. You know, what do their schedules look like? You know, how can you piece this together? All fun stuff that we think is a lot of fun anyway. So Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it does all come down to scheduling and to be able to but you got to win them too. You know, you have to win those games and, and going on the road in college basketball is really, really hard. So that, that's why to be able to you know find as many ways as you possibly can to get quality home games, I believe is where it kind of starts. And, and obviously the other team has to want to come to your place too, which isn't easy, or you have to financially support it like, uh, you know, uh, at, a, at a very, very high level. And to be able to do that, obviously there's, there's a lot of sacrifices that need to be made. Yeah, I think that, you know, just to take a little bit of uh, pressure off the scheduling, because if you have to put together a whole non-conference schedule and all these games are not related, but they all have to line up and you're, you're trying to align 15 different schedules, really, I got to believe that's sort of like, you know, just, just a really difficult situation. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, the, the new commissioner of the league, what's their thought about getting this to a two-bid league? I mean, because to me, that's a natural direction, right? Yeah, be a fun. I, I know it, it would certainly be all the coaches would be on board. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially the ones that won the regular season and lost in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to us maybe a few yeah. times. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a heck of a deal. It's always my opinion. It's harder to win the regular season than it is the tournament, if you ask me. I mean, so. Yeah, neither one are easy. I can promise you that. Yeah, I believe it. Just to change gears a little bit, any, any uh, newcomers that Summit fans should know about? Yeah, we have, you know, we have three new new guys within our program. We have two freshmen and then a, a, a junior college transfer. Um, you know, all of them have had great moments within our program as far as this summer and fall goes. Um, you know, Isaiah Mayo from Lawrence, Kansas. He, he's a, you know, a dynamic guard that uh, he's going to see some time this year. You know, he, he, he has a great ability to score the basketball. But, you know, you, you know, defensively probably is where he may even see more of a impact, especially early. You know, he he can really move his speed. He can he can guard the basketball and, and really competes at a high level. And I've been very, very happy with him. And then um, Broden Lean from Plum, Minnesota is a, a big kid that uh, really shoots the basketball. And we're trying to find ways in practice to you know, utilize his, his ability to extend, you, you know, space the space, the floor and, and extend some of the other defense out to, to have to guard him. And it gives our bigs a little more room to run and move in the, in, in the low blocks. So it's been fun being able to incorporate both those guys within our system and, and um, seeing where they fit in and see what type of impacts that they can have this year. And then Jalen has been a, you know, terrific, you know, practice player and brings a lot of energy to our team. And he, he, he does a good job as well. So those are, you know, our three new guys within our program that we're excited about all of them. Nice. So on an existing player, um, how about Noah, Noah Friedel? Basketball wise, is he set to come back and, and be part of the team this season? And 
Noah's had, Noah's had an awesome summer and, and, and fall. Noah, you know, obviously really unfortunate, you know, what, what happened last year and the stuff that he was going through. And, and um, you know, I'll tell you this much, our, our team, our team loves Noah and, and we support him like crazy. And it's been fun um, and enjoyable to, to see Noah um, continue to get healthier and, and continue to work on his health and, and, um, and, and it's, it's just, it's refreshing, you know, I know it's a constant battle for people that have to deal with mental health issues. And so for, to, to, to be able to watch Noah come back to our team and practice and, and be involved has been, has been terrific. And I know it's been a breath, breath of fresh air for his teammates and also him. So we're certainly hopeful Noah can continue to make strides in that and, and uh, make an impact on the floor. But I can promise you this, that his health will always be number one. And, and um, we love him like crazy. And, and um, we're certainly hopeful that he can make an impact on the floor this year as well. Well, coach, I really think that's why, you know, these players and coaches are so so loyal to you is because you know that you definitely do have their best interests in heart. And that's something that's definitely apparent to everybody. We all want to see Noah Friedel with the basketball player. We know how fun that is. We know what he brings to your team. We know how much more difficult your team is to guard when he's out there. But, you know, I think if anything else, I, I was really happy that the unanimous uh, response to the situation was, hey, college basketball is a pressure cooker. And if there's a little issue, it's going to magnify everything. And just all of the things that these kids go through, and it can manifest itself in different ways. So everybody, let's just take a step back, take a deep breath, collect ourselves, and go forward. I don't know. That's how I felt about it. I mean, what about you? Yes, certainly. And, and you, like you said, Zach, the, the pressure that these guys have on them on a, on, on a consistent basis is it gets overwhelming at times. And, and when you're not used to maybe all the things going on and all the expectations and, and all the pressures that are involved with it, it takes a toll on people. And, and um, you know, it's, it's not easy to deal with it for anybody, but we, we're all different. We're all different, which makes us all special. And uh, including Noah, including everyone on our team. And um, so we have to, you know, look out and, and for, for what's best for everybody. And, and, and that, that's different for everybody. And, and so it, it was refreshing, like you said, Zach, to see the support for Noah and the empathy. And, and, um, and, and honestly, it brought awareness to, to many other situations too. And so if it just helps maybe a few other people, I was so proud of Noah because it's not easy to talk about some of that stuff and especially publicly but, but, you know, I can't tell you how many people talk to me about, well, you know what, I've been dealing with some of that stuff and it, and it makes me feel normal. It makes me feel like jeepers. I'm not, I'm not going through this alone. And so I was just really, really proud of Noah. And, and I know, Noah, Noah continues to, 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 he has to work at it. You know, he has to continue to work at it as well, but I think he's more aware of it and more cognizant of it. And, and, and we certainly are as a staff as well. So to be able to just work together and, and let people know that if they are battling some issues, you don't have to do it alone. There's other people that can help you. Um, we love you like crazy and, and we, we want well for everyone. So it, it was a pretty unique situation. Yeah, I just thought it was a fantastic opportunity to turn a, what could have been a negative into a positive and for, for everybody. So I just thought it was important that we chatted about that. And then the last question that I have, you kind of talked about yourself a little bit. Billy Brown showed up there. How'd that all come together? Obviously, there's some people that are familiar with that name. I am, but I'm curious to hear all that all come together and what he's doing. 
Yeah, B- Billy's a terrific young coach. I'm gonna be honest with you. His basketball mind is 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 dynamite. Um, you know, Billy got done playing. You know, last year, a couple of years ago, and and um, kind of knew he wanted to get into coaching. And and uh, I I have some good friends over there in Spirit Lake, and and uh, certainly you know. Um, when Billy was coming out of high school, I recruited Billy a little bit. That was when I was up in North Dakota State. Coach Clink was here, and he recruited him at South Dakota State a little bit. So we had some connections. And, um, you know, being close to home, you know, only being a couple hours from, from Spirit Lake, I think was important to him too, and, and uh, continue to stay in the game. And his understanding of the Summit League and, and understanding of basketball, I think it's a terrific fit. And, and uh, he, his relationships with our guys and, and um, just being, you know, on the inside of our staff and, and, and being that kind of that liaison, I'll tell you what, he's been terrific. And, and then the, the savvy, savviness he has and brings to our meetings, just knowledge of the game and, and outlook and how he sees it. Um, we were able to inc- incorporate, you know, some of the stuff he, the, the way he thinks into our program. So um, we try to use everybody that's willing, my friend. And, and uh, Billy, Billy's been terrific and his, his best is yet to come too. That's pretty cool. I was pretty happy when his name popped up. Definitely brought a smile to my face. Yeah. <laughs> well, coach, I think that's kind of all we got. Um, I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck in the, on the season ahead. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, yeah obviously, uh, this league is going to be terrific. And, and like I said, I feel really fortunate to be the coach at South Dakota State and, and, and certainly in the Summit League and have a lot of respect for what the other coaches do. And so, so to be able to get to battle those guys on a nightly basis once that league play starts, man, it, it's enjoyable. It really is. So appreciate all the, all the um, you know, interest that you guys have and in, in bring to our league as well. It's, it's certainly important. So thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Coach. See you. All right. A great interview, as always, with Coach Henderson. Not as much telling us about the players that are new to the team because – Uh, Pretty much the entire team is back, or at least I think the top nine contributors from last year's teams. But we got into multi-team events, scheduling, some things that we've talked about with other coaches. And the thing that always hits home with me with with Coach Henderson is just that energy. That I'm pretty sure he brings that to everything he does um, and probably why he's built such a great program there at South Dakota State. Uh, Any other thoughts with with you guys on the interview in general? What? You know, it's just one of those things like as a, as a very naive person, you kind of wonder, well, geez, how does this happen? How do all these guys keep staying there? How do they, you know, play their fifth and sixth year of eligibility? Why, why do they want to do that? And then just ask yourself that question after listening to the interview and you'll have all the answers. You know what I mean? He's a very magnetic personality and, and guys love him. I mean, who, who doesn't love to play college basketball for a guy like that? Right. I mean, the situation just kind of answers itself. And so. That's uh, I think the situation becomes a lot easier and a lot clearer once you hear him say what he has to say. And uh, that's all the answers you need. Yeah, great points. I, 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 I always date myself because I'm the oldest guy in this podcast. I was an assistant coach at Southwest coaching against a Greg McDermott coached Wayne State College team with Eric Anderson playing the kid. And I call him a kid. I can call him a kid because that's how young he is. He hasn't changed. He's got this passion and this effort and this and and, and a, a results-oriented approach to everything. Uh, no, he's he he is the right guy at the right time for South Dakota State, and and I I, I think the world of him. The, the same way I think so highly of so many coaches in the summer league, 
along with David Richmond, how he's grown into his position and the culture he's produced in North Dakota State. There's a reason North Dakota State and South Dakota State, along with ORU now last year, have been consistently representing this league in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And the thing that that is exciting for me, you've got St. Thomas coming in, who I really do think will build themselves into a high-level team. Western Illinois, in one year, what Coach Jeter has done there, it's just this is the first time in in my time covering, I guess you want to call it, the Summit League, that the, the teams that have traditionally been on the bottom are starting to build something that I think will – help the league in general. So it's it's really exciting to see just the the league as a whole that way. Yep. So I wanted to end with one more thing. We got five minutes. And this year, St. Thomas is not going to participate in the Summit League tournament, but they will next year. So this year, my assumption is, and I don't know that I've seen this officially, is that they'll go with the eight teams again <clears throat> and play. But that means next year there's a decision to be made. Do we go with eight teams, the top eight teams? Do we play 10? And what does that look like? Uh, what do the two of you think would be the best way to run a 10-team Summit League tournament, including the possibility of just bringing in the top eight? Uh, if, if you're okay, Zach, I'll jump in. Yep. My, my thought is I, I, I love the March Madness aspect. Bring everybody to Sioux Falls. And, and part of the reason I say that is Sioux Falls has been so good at running this tournament. The, you know, the men and the women at the same time. Let's add one extra day on the front end and, and have, you know, uh, let's see, it would be um, eight play nine, seven play ten. Yeah. And 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 that I think that's one of the things that I, is okay because you make those bottom teams say, listen, if you're going to make your run, you've got to do it over four out of five days, you've got to win four games in, in five days. And and I think Sioux Falls would embrace it. I think they would. Um, I, I've, I've sat in that arena and called games on days when there hasn't been a single South Dakota team playing. There's four or 5,000 fans in the arena because they love college basketball. They love mid-major college basketball. Yeah. I think they would, they, would, they would embrace that. And so that's my, my – uh, you know, quick, quick answer to that is say, bring bring everybody to Sioux Falls. Let's start at 7, 10, 8, and 9, and then let's just jump into the rest of the bracket and go from there. Yeah, I, 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 would, lead that, I would lean that way as well. So essentially, you know, I, I kind of, I wish there would be a way to reward the top teams a little bit more than just not having to play in that first round. Todd, you, you, I think you'll get to uh, maybe like a double buy scenario, but I love, like, selfishly, as a spectator, I think the idea of four games and four – or four nights of basketball, rather, um, is just unbelievable. I, I think that's the premier sporting event around. I mean, it'd it, it just be it just be unbelievable. Now, the question is, is, is that also the most fair thing to do? Um, you know, do you, is winning the conference – is all you get for winning the conference – basically a buy into the second round like the fourth and fifth seeded teams and and the third and the sixth seeded teams um yeah you do get to play the winner of eight and nine things like that but um is that enough of a benefit for winning the regular season that would be sort of my my main question because there's no question this would be the best for the fans but is this the is the is this the fairest um I don't know. I, I, I'm really curious. Like I want to, I'd be, we should ask the coaches this question. Um, 
is it is it a good idea to you know play that eight or nine seed team knowing that you're probably going to handle them and get a little momentum get established on the court get a game on that court under your belt before you have to start playing the top end of the conference and then the, the semifinals and the championship game or is it better or is rust more important um, I think a lot, I think these coaches obviously would say, Hey, the, I'll take the bye, I'll take the rest. Let's just get to the semifinals. But I'm curious to see if there's maybe any dissenting opinions about that, because I could see that being the case. Um, weird things can happen. You know, if you give them a, a double bye into the semis and they are coming off this amazing regular season year and they get out on the court and they just don't feel comfortable for whatever reason, it could end quick. It could end quick. A whole year's worth of hard work could be gone in one night. And so, I don't know, uh, but I, I definitely kind of lean towards Greg's answer of the four nights and the first night being the bottom four teams. Yeah, I if, if that would be a close second for me. My my mine would still be four nights, but give the top two seeds a bye to the semis. Mm-hmm. So the bottom eight play each other till they get down to two. They yeah. take on the top two seeds. They tried that in the horizon and Wright State lost in the semis right away after sitting for two games. And then yeah. shockingly, they went away from it. Um, But uh, but then Wright State lost in the quarters the next year. Like that's mid-major college basketball. Like you just sometimes get beat in these tournaments. I, it It's something that happens. Yeah. I just think those top two seeds, they've worked that whole season. And <sighs> even from the league's sake, like it's not bad to have your top two seeds representing you in the NCAA tournament. Um, which I guess goes against what Oral Roberts did last year, but that half game separated those top four. Let's not pretend that it was that big of a difference, but right. Yeah. You know, the other thing that this is doing, it's sort of like, I do really like the fact, and it's easy for me to say that because I don't necessarily have a vested interest and I'm just announcing these games, but the fact that, you know, one team does get left out now, um, that makes, especially that second half of the year at the bottom of the conference, very, very interesting. I mean, that usually gets decided like the last day of the, the regular season. Um, I like that component. I don't, I doubt the coaches do, but I personally do. I think it makes the regular season that much more interesting and this would be doing away with it. Um, so I, I don't love that, but I don't see a way around it. Cause you're probably not leaving two teams out. Yeah. And I'm with you guys on that. And, and at the same time, I, I look at saying, you know, the, it's it can still come down to the last weekend in the regular season and say how do we stay out of that seven eight nine ten conversation how do we get to six and i i just i just love the fact that it's about march madness who gets on a roll who gets on a run and there are times when you in your double buy scenario todd i'm not necessarily against it as much as i'm saying hey they, they get the advantage of, of having that extra day of rest they've earned those seats in a mid-major um, conference, the regular season champion has the NIT guarantee. I know the Summit wants to get to a two-bid league. I know they do, and, and, and Coach Mills talked about it last week, and all the coaches are aware of how do you schedule to, so you can become a, a more consistent two-bid league or can become a two-bid league on the men's side in the Summit League. I just I think it's there's something about bringing everybody to one place letting everybody experience the postseason atmosphere, the opportunity that awaits them. If, hey, if we can get on a run, if we can go on a run, and we've seen this, we've seen eight upset one. Yeah. We've seen these things happen in the Summit League. That's what postseason basketball, that's what March Madness, 
is all about. So uh, I'm not saying my idea is the right way. I'm just saying that's what I would choose if I was a commissioner of the league. Well, Greg, that, that's a really good point. There's a lot of people, including myself, that keep forgetting that the, that the regular season conference champion does get that NIT, but that, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a that's a good tournament. That And so, you know, guys, I need you to correct me if I ever say that the regular season champion doesn't really get anything or there's, they're not rewarded probably enough. Because um, the other side of this is like, look, why do we love the NCAA tournament? It's because it's because of the drama. It's because of the finality of it. Right. And the start of this tournament is the start of the NCAA tournament, right? Yep. And this is the yep. start of the NCAA tournament. And so that's the nature of it. It's, it's win or go home. It doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. Everybody's trying to peak now. And so it's okay if it's maybe not the most fair because this is sort of the nature of the tournament, you know, whether it's now or in the Sweet 16. Yeah. It, and I, I want to end this week's episode with, with a little bit of a challenge because I, I, I know the common – I think misconception is that having it in Sioux Falls is is overly benefiting the South Dakota teams. Seven of the ten teams travel less than five hours to get to Sioux Falls. My I'm taking my boys over Thanksgiving break down to Tulsa to watch the the Oral Roberts Oklahoma State game. Um, we have no rooting team to go to, and now I do the podcast. But for the first several years. There was none, no podcast, and I had a Twitter thing with 300 people following me or something. Um, and we went to the to the tournament every year and stayed for all the games. Um, and so my challenge is make it a tradition that that's what you're going to do, whether, especially if all 10 teams are always going. And once they're out, drink beer. I don't know. But the, it, I just think it's such an opportunity. And there aren't a lot of things in our world anymore that can be just – something fun and good and you'll build relationships with people way outside of your group from your team. I just think there's almost everybody's within travel distance or at least the distance I go to shoot deer in the woods. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm with you, Todd. And, and I, I will say this, I have yet to talk to a single person that has attended the summer league basketball tournament that hasn't had a positive thing to say about it. It is literally, because of the Summit League saying we're going to play our men and women together, uh, the level of play on the women's side, a multi-bid league on the women's side, the excitement on the, on the men's side, I have yet to talk to anybody that's ever said, yeah, I really didn't enjoy my experience at the Summit League tournament. It is a fantastic environment, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country at the mid-major level. Yeah, guys, the only thing to improve upon it would be moving it to Bismarck, North Dakota and the Bismarck Civic Center. Let's make it a true neutral court. Turn my house into Summit League headquarters. Uh, the, the whole the whole bit, I'll happily host everybody. Let's make it a neutral event and come to Bismarck. That's my only pitch. My, From what I understand, that is plan B. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll echo that. I'll settle for that. I'll settle for that. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're probably already over time for this week. Um, the coaches' interviews are great, but then we feel like we, we better stop at some point too. Um, so, guys, another great episode, another great week, and we'll see you next week. One week closer. All right. Exactly. Sixteen days, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. <laughs>